Welcome to the Build the Future podcast. My name is Cameron Weesey, and I'm your host. I've always been fascinated by the ideas and the sentiment that drove American culture in the 1960s with the space race. A culture galvanized to dream about the possibilities of tomorrow. Whether it's food, transportation, cities, biology, or anything else, it was this cultural mindset rooted in optimism that the world tomorrow would be better than the world today. A mindset where people were compelled to build things, and I quote JFK, not because they were easy, but because they were hard. It's this desire to build and to dream that seems to have been lost, and something we're here to bring back. With Build the Future, we're here to promote the ideas and stories of those who see how the future can be better and promote their plans to get us there. It's our mission to get you to dream about the possibilities of tomorrow, dream about the future that you want to live in and inspire you to go build. Today, we're talking with Manu Ignatius, the CEO of SubNero. At SubNero, they're building the technology to improve underwater communications, navigation, and sensing. In doing so, they're helping accelerate us to a future where devices underwater can communicate between each other just as fast as they do on land. Let's jump right in. Manu, thank you so much for being here. Would love to love to start with the basics. Can you tell me about the future you're building with SubNero? What's the vision? Uh, at SubNero, our vision is to be the de facto standard for underwater communication and in-water sensing networks. So let me give you a bit of a background about this. More than uh, 70% of our surface is covered with water of some form. Uh, sometimes it's uh, most of it is ocean or seawater, and a lot of it is uh, glaciers and uh, rivers. But we know more about the surface of Moon or Mars as compared to what we know about our oceans. And one of the key technologies that uh, you need to explore and to study is communication or efficient communication and uh, localization like GPS or Wi-Fi and 3G. And that doesn't exist in worlds in in current uh, you know world. Um, while communication in some form exists, uh, it really is not available for the kinds of researchers or environmentalists where you want to collect a lot of data. And that's really what we are trying to solve by providing software-defined modems where all of it is, or most of the value is in the software and uh, hardware is really depending on the user. And you can uh, take that and uh, do your uh, do things like exploration or uh, studies or things that help you understand the ocean as it is on a massive scale. That, that's really what we want to achieve by what we do at Submero. A couple of threads to, to pull in there, but let's start with kind of what is what is this sort of like ocean technology stack look like right now before you guys kind of came into the field? Like, what, like what's the problem with ocean technology or underwater technology? So there are a couple of things. The key fundamental thing itself is electromagnetic waves do not propagate well underwater. So we, uh, in, in the land, we use uh, electromagnetics for everything. All of our wireless communications are based on electromagnetics. You put that underwater and it's going to get absorbed. You probably will get, I don't know, a couple of meters or a couple of tens of meters of range. Or if you blast with super high power, you might get hundreds of meters. But that's about it. It's extremely inefficient. And uh, that's where the fundamental difference comes. Most of most or all of the communication has to use acoustics as their physical layer. And uh, that, that right there is uh, a challenge and potentially an opportunity because sound travels 200,000 times slower than light or electromagnetics, which means uh, you have a very specific delay, even if you are communicating one or two kilometers uh, wirelessly and sound travels 1,500 meters per second. So there is like, if you're communicating three kilometers, there is a delay of two seconds. So that is a big challenge. So that 
is a physics challenge and uh, people have been coming up with more and more innovative solutions uh, to work around that. So that's kind of fundamentally one of the biggest issues. And uh, traditionally, if you look at this entire domain, uh, it's very similar to our land-based technology. The first uh, kind of systems, wireless systems, tend to be analog in nature. And then uh, slowly it's moving to digital. And um, now in the land, uh, networking or internet is kind of, you don't have to think twice. It's, it's there everywhere. But that's completely not the case underwater. People are still working with point-to-point -point communication. So at Seminaro, we really think that the next uh, big thing would be network underwater communication solutions. And that's exactly what we are building. Most of the players out there, if you look at uh, their offerings, are still based on point-to-point. -point, and that's primarily driven by application, traditional application, where you have to just communicate from one point to the other point. But um, this, the, that, that big shift is happening where uh, instead of you doing communication from one point to other, you really have the need for network solutions where things are just like a, a internet uh, underwater. Yeah. So can you tell me a little bit more about how, how you guys are at Subnero approaching that? So it's historically been this point to point transfer of information and you're building a, like a network based version of what is What does that look like? So the other uh, good thing of being underwater is for wireless domain, terrestrial networks really push the envelope of what uh, people are doing. While we cannot adopt uh, it the way it is, we can learn a lot uh, from what's available uh, in the land and try to work or build on top of that. So one uh, specific example is internet. So we have all these networks like uh, networking protocols like TCP IP on top of which the entire internet is built. So we don't have to go and find something new, but TCP IP still has a lot of assumptions uh, in terms of speed, which doesn't hold true for underwater because there is a uh, huge delays in the case of underwater. So you can't really adopt it as is at the same time. So what we are doing is we have uh, built a network stack that is specifically geared towards uh, underwater networks and that's called unit stack. And uh, a bit of a history for it, and this has been a project, and this is still an ongoing project at the National University of Singapore, where it's developed and maintained by a community of researchers. And it's free for download, and it's free for academic and non-commercial use. What it does is it, it has this uh, network stack and a collection of technologies, and completely software-defined, and uh, that's there out there that anyone can download, anyone uh, who is intending to do uh, research or uh, teaching or educational purpose or can download and uh, you can build your own hardware. And hardware, as you know, is very cheap. Things like Raspberry Pi or uh, even your laptops are not that expensive with the kind of power as compared to 10, what was available 10 years back. You can put this uh, stack in your own hardware and then all of a sudden you have a network enabled uh, underwater node that you can simply deploy and uh, build your own networks. The key thing uh, to notice here is instead of building first point-to-point uh, -point links or physical layer in a network stack and then building on top of it, when we built originally designed this unit stack you know, 10, 15 years back, even before the formation of company, the subnero, we uh, built all the way up to application layer from physical layer, looking at the entire network stack holistically. So if a user is only interested in doing point-to-point -point communication, yes, they can use the devices as normal, but uh, the real uh, strength or the, the real value comes from the fact that it is out of the box network enabled. So these devices can form networks and do routing and transport and all of that in itself. And uh, that kind of offerings are uh, not that common or uh, almost inexistent uh, in this domain from a traditional sense. So we kind of, yeah, like you said, we take it for granted what we have on land. You can't go take like a four or five G you know, data system and just drop it in the middle of the ocean. <laughs> Everything work. I'm curious, kind of, what are what are people using like underwater networks for? So who who are the people who are using the point to point systems and 
what sort of things are they doing? And then what might be unlocked by the work you guys are doing at Subnero by making uh, kind of this underwater network more accessible to more people? There are all kinds of applications, but if I have to classify all of them into three or four categories, I will classify the big users. Uh, one of the biggest users of underwater, uh, all kinds of things, communications, navigations, monitoring, and sensing uh, are uh, academics and researchers. So these are the people who really like to learn or study how the oceans work. So Earth is such a big planet and a lot of it is surface is covered in oceans. And if you do not really understand it, you can't possibly thing uh, of finding a solution for things like uh, you know global warming or climate change or how we are evolving into the future so and uh, that's not just as a planet as a whole uh, a lot of times when how with changes of temperature of water is affecting local ecosystems like coral reefs and how marine mammals are affected so a lot of these uh, what you need is data while uh, in uh, the case of terrestrial uh, uh, like normal land what we usually do is we, we can collect all kinds of data like temperature and pressure and sunlight and uv and all of that in underwater a lot of that is acoustics so basically you record the sound and analyze and look for specific sounds uh, and then uh, based on that you can actually learn how things are moving how things are changing or uh, for example uh, let's say there are there are these massive ocean currents that um, are in the oceans and then ocean currents can indicate how things change around uh, weather patterns can change and then there is a device called adcp that is an acoustic uh, current profiler acoustic doppler current profiler and that is uh, used to measure currents and these devices just sit uh, on the bottom of ocean and collects data now if you want to get this data out in real time uh, traditionally, the people, the, the way uh, oceanographers do is they deploy, these comes with batteries and they deploy in uh, the bottom of the ocean and then leave it there for, I don't know, one month, two months or however long your recording has to be. And then after that, you go there using divers or some kind of equipment, you retrieve it back and then you download the data and then you do the analysis. That is offline processing. That is great, but that still doesn't cut it because you might want to get the real-time information if you want to uh, do it. And that's really one of the uh, use cases of where you might need uh, wireless systems that you can get the data out. Uh, so there are so, so much, so many similar applications you can, uh, you have these uh, network of tsunami sensors that are deployed underwater to detect small movements in tectonic plates. And again, uh, if you don't have a, an efficient wireless communication system, you are not getting the data out. So a lot of the things, at times what people do is you have the sensors and you have something on the surface of the water and they are wired. Uh, or the sensors can go up and down. And then uh, from there, uh, satellite comes. But the issue is, uh, if there are things on the surface and if it's wired, I mean, you have no idea. If there is a lot of shipping, it can get cut. And uh, if, if the sensors go up and down, it can get lost. But uh, if you can have a fixed sensors you know, underwater with uh, reliable communications, then that, that's the perfect case. So that's number one. Uh, that's the academics or researchers who are interested in studying or pushing uh, the envelope of what is possible. The second would be defense, uh, especially for coastal nations like Singapore. Uh, coastal security and marine security has been of, of a very, very high importance. And uh, for that, you need, again, the same thing. Uh, you need sensors, you need vehicles, underwater vehicles, patrolling coastal shores, and these vehicles will need navigation. Uh, or localization capability and uh, the vehicles not only for defense that uh, researchers use vehicles a lot especially uh, when you want to go and uh, look for something and uh, gps doesn't work underwater for the same reason uh, uh, any uh, communication systems uh, on land doesn't work underwater because it's em so you need a similar underwater gps that are uh, formed by 
these nodes, uh, these acoustic nodes. So traditionally you have navigational devices, which are called USBL or LBL or SBL, which stands for ultra short uh, baseline or long baseline. So these are acoustic nodes that send out beacons or, or pings. And you, if you know the location and if you know the speed of sound, you can triangulate where you are. And then you have the communication devices. But what we are trying to do is because ours is a software defined uh, stack, and at the end of it, the hardware is exactly the same. There is no difference. You can actually have different apps or agents in the stack that uh, provides different functions like uh, localization. Uh, yeah, you use the same hardware and localization function. If you want communication, you use the same hardware and use the communication function. So that's the second uh, use case. And uh, defense has been uh, one of the traditionally people who have started using underwater wireless communication the earliest and it has been around from uh, second world war onwards people have always been interested in communicating with the likes of submarines and the third one i would broadly classify into industry or commercial where uh, or subsea industry where people are in the, interested in uh, building processing systems or subsea factories um, underwater where uh, if you are uh, you know looking for oil and gas or uh, some kind of uh, natural uh, minerals you probably don't want to take everything up to the sea uh, up to the top and then uh, refine or do whatever they do uh, rather than if you can do at the bottom of the ocean it's kind of good because it's efficient plus uh, less environmental pollution and things like that and uh, there are a lot of uh, subsea structures uh, let's say there are massive offshore windmills and a lot of the underwater part is under the water and that uh, requires uh, inspection and IRM inspection repair and maintenance on a regular scale so these are the guys who will need uh, those so traditionally divers have been doing it so divers will need localization and uh, communication uh, but they use tethered systems so that's not much of an issue but as we go into the future people are more and more using uh, autonomous vehicles and they will definitely need uh, communication and uh, localization so these would be the three major ones the rest may be a bit of utilities like let's say there are seawater desalination plants or um, underwater uh, massive catchment areas where you want to collect uh, a lot of water quality data then they are also users of the tech i'm sure there are other kind of uses i'm just massively putting all, i mean i'm just broadly putting all of them in this category which works essentially the, the thing right now is it's just so hard to communicate underwater and there's all these different implications all like again you have the the researchers the the military defense you have the industry everyone's trying to do different sorts of things but they don't really have tools that are uh, best equipped for getting them the data they need or or as quickly as, as they're used to having it. Because the rest of the world is operating, or like above water world is operating on instantaneous speeds. I mean, we're what, I don't know how many miles uh, Austin, Texas is from Singapore, but thousands of miles away. And we're having like a one-on-one -on -one conversation. And, you know, if we were underwater, this definitely would not happen, obviously. But it, it's cool because like, I mean, I don't know, I'll, I'll get a bit sci-fi here. At some point, I mean, everyone wants to go to the moon and people want to build different land masses, but there's this concept of like, oh, what if we build like cities underwater? And I don't know how feasible that is, but it's definitely not possible without access to the rest of the world through like cellular communications. So one, we're going to need something like that or something like Subnero to help us help enable that sort of communication. I don't know what, what, what else kind of maybe sci-fi-esque or not sci-fi-esque gets, gets enabled by uh, making it easier for people to communicate underwater or for businesses to be able to like get the data faster. So um, good question. Uh, in fact, uh, the way, things are going 
uh, if I have to draw a parallel to uh, our terrestrial world, so we long time back we had analog telephones, uh, telephone lines where we, we we use lines, and then we have digital telephones, but still using wired combs. And then we had uh, the hardware-defined mobile phones, like the kind of lights of uh, Nokia's, where you can just do one function or two functions. That's that's about it. And now what you have is completely software-defined platform of the phones, smartphones that we use are mostly pieces of computer hardware uh, with one function being uh, you know ability to call home uh, call call someone so that's really the way uh, i think we are going in the case of underwater some people are uh, at the forefront some people are catching up but uh, so currently we are at the uh, realm of digital communication, digital wireless communication. A lot of the people, uh, our competitors uh, do digital. So analog is almost not there anymore. However, um, uh, current state of the world, uh, if I have to say, is more like um, hardware defined. So you have custom built hardware for doing specific things. And we are one of the first uh, who are going to the software defined uh, world. And once this is done, the, uh, the the other major thing I hope that, uh, I'm sure, I'm pretty sure that we will start seeing is the uh, deployment of massive networks. So I'll give you some examples. So Singapore has a massive port. And at this, currently how people uh, manage the port is completely manual or from the top side, from terrestrial. So uh, you have all kinds of uh, people looking at all kinds of systems. So you have the AIS uh, for um, uh, the ships. There are ships coming in and going in. And you have to have a very efficient uh, port management system for that. And uh, when uh, the ships are on the anchorage, you need to clean the ship. And currently people still do use divers. So divers literally jump in the water and then do the, uh, the cleaning. So let's take uh, that as a typical example. And um, it's going to change. And already people, uh, there are multiple companies here in Singapore who are trying to use autonomous underwater vehicles to clean uh, the ship hull and automatically generate uh, reports and so on so that we can reduce the length a bit more on man, manpower, mostly for pri primarily for safety reasons because going underwater and uh, doing this is kind of a very dangerous task uh, for a human. Yes. So um, how these uh, all of these things and there are that means underwater cleaning robots will be an asset underwater. And then there will be like what I was saying, there will be the coastal defense and uh, people are not going to run a submarine in a coastal area. So it's mostly going to be underwater robots. And there are all kinds of underwater robots built for all kinds of purposes, just like what we have in land. We have our Roombas or vacuum cleaners that goes around house to house to clean. At the same time, we have massive robots that does uh, industrial automation and things like that. So there are all kinds of robots. And all of these robots, once they are underwater, it's just like uh, autonomous driving cars. They will need things like localization and they will need things like communication and they will need things like uh, handover. So um, at the moment, what we actually have deployed and our customers, what they are using are networks, but they are localized networks. But what we are going towards is uh, our uh, massive networks like 3G or 4G, where there'll be like a, a if I say, for example, if you take a couple of ports in Singapore, all of those will be equipped with networks, uh, just like 3G or 4G, and nobody will have to think about oh, how I am going to deploy or how am I going to get it. There will be a telecom operator or underwater telecom operator uh, from where you can subscribe plans, and these vehicles can use that for communication and navigation, and they can uh, do their uh, their own job. So. Uh, one of the next very exciting things I think will happen in the next five to 10 years will be deployment of coastal underwater cellular-like networks. Uh, and that's really, really exciting for us because uh, we think that we are in the right time to start doing such things because there are so many applications at the moment. The way people do is whoever is the operator who are uh, like 
let's say underwater hull uh, ship hull cleaning the operator will have to get their own robots and the operator will have to get their own uh, localization solutions so that's a huge investment for them but if there are someone who is providing the service then they just all they need is just take the bo- uh, robot and go there and deploy it and they will use existing 3G or 4G systems underwater so essentially like what what you guys are working on is is going to unlock the next wave of like under essentially underwater robotics and anything tech driven or that needs a cellular connection currently is challenged or it's way too, it's very expensive to do that underwater right now because the infrastructure isn't there. But through the work you guys are doing at SubNero, they have these access points and and the information can kind of flow between devices just like it would above water. Do I have that right? Exactly. That's awesome. That's super that's super exciting. Where do you think there are so we mentioned like ship hole cleaning and and I, I feel like there there are probably applications in fishing and kind of coastline management. What are some other like underwater robotics that we may see? Like some of the the cooler cooler things that you're excited about that can then function as a result of of having these networks? So underwater robots are uh, really, really uh, an exciting and exploding field. Uh, They are uh, being used for all kinds of applications from ranging from uh, marine archaeology to search and rescue uh, to um, aquaculture. Uh, and uh, coastal security, something I, I said earlier, and exploration and ocean bed mapping. Uh, so traditionally, all of these applications used to be done either by a ship or by divers or by uh, submarines. And now, uh, and they are like extremely expensive. Uh, now, what uh, people are doing, and you have this fleet of autonomous underwater vehicles or companies that provide services with a fleet of autonomous underwater vehicles. So you can actually get services from them and you can say, okay, this is the area at sea I am interested in. I would like to know uh, the, the seabed. I would like to map. Uh, so most of the seabed around the world, do not, we do not have very high resolution maps. We know roughly what it is, but that's about it. And then uh, these, uh, these, these companies will go and deploy the uh, AUVs and then they just uh, do the survey. Uh, the other exciting uh, one would be aquaculture. So aquaculture in itself is a massive industry. As with any massive industry, there are, you really have to deal with uh, things of big scale. So one example is um, during uh, in uh, offshore aquaculture farms, which are huge uh, cylindrical kind of farms where there are fish. You have like uh, lots and lots of fish in there. And uh, you really need uh, to monitor them constantly to make sure you know they don't die of some you know, diseases or there are no poachers or... Uh, other issues like um, you know if there is a natural calamity like a like a cyclone or something that doesn't really affect them so that's another uh, area where they use underwater robots a lot where to make sure all of it is good and uh, well and you know managed properly i feel like the underwater robotics is somewhat connected like underwater like exploration right do you have any do you have any thoughts or i mean is that something you spend any time thinking about like what what exploring our oceans may look like and what that may entail it is, uh, I, I think fundamentally human beings at some level are explorers and that's why we have gone to space and explore in our remote uh, worlds. At the same time, there are so many people and so many agencies for whatever reasons, whatever applications, some people out of just sheer curiosity would like to explore underwater worlds. And uh, like I said, only so much, 5% or less than 5% of oceans have been explored. We still have no idea what uh, are some of the you know secrets that the oceans hold. Um, and 
applications wise there are so much so many applications by understanding our uh, oceans first one would be how oceans and ocean currents affect the climate of our planet as a whole and then the next one would be food security the third would be <clears throat> understanding where we came from because if you look there are there are places underwater where uh, like deep sea thermal vents where scientists uh, thought i mean nothing can exist these are some of the extreme environments in the planet and they started exploring and they found this these places teeming with life and uh, understanding how they live on their anatomy that 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 kind of helps us answer some of the deep questions that we always had like where did we come from or why earth or why there is life only on earth so these are like much bigger questions than just you know any of any of the things that we are talking about so really understanding and learning about uh, oceans help us answer some of these questions at uh, some level is, is is my sense yeah no I, I love it it's it's super exciting and, and i think this is something that people don't spend a lot of time talking about yeah. and in fact it was like one of the things i was super excited to have you wanted to share is we're all looking upward at the stars Be like oh how do we go to mars how do we go to the moon but there's this whole world as you said only five percent has been explored around us that that hasn't been touched and I think it's if we can kind of excite people about the the ocean being a a possible like additional frontier, there's a lot of cool cool things we may learn. But it sounds like the reason we haven't is just because it's it's expensive and it's hard to go get the data and like you can't go you can't send autonomous vehicles down to yep. it's it's way too expensive to send them down to like Marianas Trench and have them like poke around, right? Exactly. So it it is it is expensive, and the technology uh, was traditionally there was a high, much higher barrier of entry for people to get into the space and you know start doing things because this is not something that everyone is yeah. exposed to on a day to day life. So that's exactly what we uh, I personally am really excited to uh, see like really the democratization Ooh, yeah. of tech so that a uh, lot of people uh, have access to the technology that we are building uh, and they can start doing things. So in fact, we have already been seeing things while we are traditionally, uh, we, are, we are at the core of communication or uh, navigation, monitoring and sensing kind of company. Uh, we have had people download or use our software, uh, define modems or even just the software and doing things that we never really thought is oh. possible. So that's the kind of applications that uh, we are looking at. So I'll yeah, give please. an example. So one of the researchers sometime uh, back came to us and said, okay, we would like to buy one of your devices. Then we were like, that doesn't make any sense to communicate you need two devices because or else I mean, there's no point and then we asked started asking questions or what what are you trying to do and he, he was like see at the end of the day what we have is a is a device electronic software defined uh, hardware where you can transmit arbitrary signals so he was trying to convert this device to a sonar to do mammal counting uh, so mm. what you would do is you would transmit a signal, a specific signal that they developed uh, and uh, wait for the responses or wait for the reflections and do data analysis or, or, or signal processing on that and try to count uh, fish mm. from it as in a normal, not normal fish, things like sharks or whales. And um, this uh, a traditional sonar that needs to be uh, that someone needs to do something like this would uh, be like 10 times the cost of what our equipment is and they are like they are researchers they are like okay look this uh, hardware has this really good software which uh, I mean, user can develop on top of it it's, it's really user friendly so let's try this and uh, once they started doing it uh, first one they bought was mostly for testing and uh, they started having really good results and uh, their institution other departments started taking that uh, hardware and uh, we want this to do this and then they, they came back and had uh, repeat orders with us and so those are the kind of things that we that really gets us excited yes you can do communication you can do localization and monitoring and sensing and all of that but at the same time we want to give access to this tech 
to people who really want to do things with it uh, that they can um, do, do applications or, or technology. They can develop technologies that are not uh, thought of or we have not thought of. Yeah. Well, that kind of begs the question, like what are, what are some, th- so you guys are building the, the platform that enables people to build on top of this. Uh, you said there are a lot of things that you haven't thought of that people kind of creatively come up with. Are there some things that you would love to see people build? Like are there are opportunities that other entrepreneurs um, or other researchers could go get involved and be like, hey, I want to go build this or that on top of Subneuro. Uh, yes, for sure. So we have talked about the kind of things that people can do, which we may not be uh, able to do because we have resources and time constraints and all of that. But there are so many things that I personally would like to do. That's one part of it. I can talk about that a bit. But uh, more uh, important than that, uh, what really excites is when someone builds something that we haven't thought about, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, and uh, that uh, I can't really say because I haven't really thought about it. <laughs> Yeah, if you had to pick like two or three things that that you would love to see that you, you're kind of time constrained or resource constrained to build, um, what might those be? So um, a couple of things would be uh, exactly what, like the example that I was uh, telling uh, you uh, about is uh, things like sonar applications where you can use software defined hardware to transmit and receive arbitrary signals, not just predefined communication signals and uh, do processing on top of that to uh, identify or detect uh, things. Uh, the other, uh, so uh, almost all of our hardware, actually all of our modems uh, by default come with ranging functionality because you, you can measure the speed of sound and you can find the range but uh, there are a lot more you can build on top of it because once you have a network of these systems you can do things like localization because you can do uh, different things uh, or, or you can transfer from different uh, of these devices and then get the responses and do localization and that's something that uh, we hope we can build uh, at some point in future but that's the kind of applications again enablers not really final applications like a localization and a communication uh, related ones that those those are some of them outside of the work you're doing at subnero what excites you the most about the future I mean, in fact, I've been thinking about, uh, I usually try and read up and uh, think about uh, this for a bit. But if I am talking about really, really futuristic, uh, I would say personally singularity uh, where uh, (laughs) humans and uh, probably can move our conscience to non-biological system. And uh, you are not really limited by the the, the limits of a biological human body. But that's way too futuristic. We can can play in that territory. Like, what what is it about that that excites you? Is it this like ability to kind of live forever to like build lots of different projects? Like- In a way, yes. Because as and uh, when you are, uh, you start doing things like this. So I actually uh, ended up kind of, I, I didn't really choose this domain. Mm, I, I came to do my master's in this university and I met the professor who was doing the, uh, the, the research in underwater domain. And uh, my interest has always been in communication networks. And I thought, I used to think that terrestrial networks are bad or challenging. And then I heard about underwater networks and it's super challenging. So it's it's, it's very interesting, right? And the more, moment you start doing things or you learn about uh, new challenges, you realize there are like a lot of things that you can do that excites you. Uh, personally, uh, there's so many things that excites me to do uh, you know, on a day-to-day life or over a long time uh, that you simply do not have the bandwidth of time or time to uh, do it. And uh, the current way usually people do is we build a team of people who are, have similar interests and uh, make uh, sure you keep doing it. And uh, once you get into a domain uh, that is really exciting, you always will have like a uh, hundred or thousand times the things that you really, I mean, uh, thousand times that uh, to what you are doing that you really want to do and having something like that uh, would really help you know <laughs> keep doing that and then seeing the results so what we are doing currently are a bit 
futuristic uh, and this domain has been traditionally a bit more slow and application driven so the results of what we are doing might take a couple of years like really futuristic things like what i was saying uh, like like huge networks of uh, that covers the entire span of oceans might take a lot of years and uh, to be around to see this uh, that kind of technologies would be cool that's that's my personal interest it's just <laughs> so let's let's say okay we have the singularity you have infinite time uh, you you build subneuro and and kind of this underwater network and everyone's able to communicate with their devices underwater, above water, every, like that's that problem solved. What what might be another area you want to tackle? I'm sure there will be still a lot of challenges. Again, maybe my, the, the, the time frame of limit of my time frame has mostly uh, been uh, constrained with, you know, all the problems related to oceans. But I, I'm pretty sure, uh, so personally, I'm a, I'm a scuba diver and I really like uh, being around water and being around oceans, and I, I like uh, going on uh, trips or I don't know sailing. And I don't sail, but being on a sailboat or boat, I really like being around water. So I think uh, even after we let's say achieve all of that, I will still find something related to uh, underwater uh, technologies to work on. That's my guess. Yeah, it, it's kind of an unfair question because the world's changing so quickly. Like, I don't know what the world's going to look like in five years, let alone like, you know, it takes 10 years to say it's 10 years to build this out, 15, 20 years. We may hit the singularity at that point. I, who knows? We'll see. But yeah, it's a fair question because, uh, and that's something that uh, I can think about, uh, I don't know, in the couple of uh, coming couple of days or something like that, because I've never thought about things like that. And questions like this is really what, uh, you know, changes people's thought process sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's I mean, even even in this conversation, uh, I've thought about like my mind starting like, ooh, the possibilities of autonomous vehicles underwater and like just going off into the. I, I was gonna say going off into space, thinking about that, but I couldn't. But I couldn't come up with like a counter analogy to like diving. Um, like my mind is like diving into the possibilities. Um, now that you have said about space, I can uh, tell you something uh, interesting. So there has been a, a group of NASA uh, engineers who have built uh, rovers for space, and um, they were starting a company, and uh, or, or they were working on a space related robotics and somebody asked them hey you guys think that space is hard just go build uh, you know robots for oceans or seas and that's even going to be more challenging and then they started looking at it and they uh, they they built a company and it's it's uh, called Houston Mechatronics maybe you know it's uh, near to your place uh, and they are they build uh, robots uh, underwater and you should take a look at them and we work together on some avenues and uh, I think what they are doing is really cool and from what one of the talks that was done by their founder CEO he was saying the same thing that uh, he thought building robots or building technologies for space is hard but uh, he started looking at oceans and that's even more challenging. Well, it's cool because it, it's like through this conversation and through the work you guys are doing, there's going to be more and more opportunities. People are going to have more and more conversations about ocean tech. And I think we'll see a lot of a lot of cool innovations in the coming decade. I want to just wrap up here. Where where can people find you? How can they support SubNero? And is there any, any asks you may, you may have for, for listeners or for anyone who kind of wants to support or get involved? Specifically for SubNero, maybe... Um nothing much to ask take a look at our website and uh, but our, our website is mostly about products and things like that but what i really would like uh, to encourage people is to look into what are the things that are uh, going on in the ocean related world because uh, that's not something uh, you know on a day-to-day -day life people will look into 
because we are never exposed unless yeah. someone tells you uh, to do this and uh, there are a lot of uh, organizations or communities so IEEE has this uh, chapter called OES Oceanic Engineering Society I, I am a member of that and they mm. I believe do a really good uh, job uh, in uh, getting this news or uh, ideas or vision uh, to a lot of students that uh, oceans are a big area and there are a lot of unsolved problems there and a lot of technologies can be used or new and upcoming technologies can be used to um, solve some of them and uh, take a look at what are some of those problems in uh, places like IEEE OES website or general ocean uh, related news uh, and that might give you ideas if you haven't thought about you know maybe sometimes some of these technologies can apply on land uh, or maybe some of the technologies that you have been doing or things that have been you doing at land can be applied and the uh, ocean domain so that's that's one thing i would say if you want to learn more about subnero you can head on over to subnero.com then if you want to follow manu you can find him on twitter at manu ignatius and on instagram at dfly underscore manu thanks for joining us for another episode of the build the future podcast lastly if you're building and want to get support want to hear about certain topics or from certain people or just want to get involved in helping build the future Shoot us over an email at hello at buildthefuturepodcast.com or follow me, Cameron, on Twitter at Cam Weesey, and we'll see what we can make happen. That's it from us. Until next time, go build.